0: Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned.
1: We're here again, dear, dear listeners. By the light of the moon, by the raking of the moonlight, we're bonding over... Oh, dear. Over. Okay, I'm over this. Welcome to Max Mike Movies. We're deep in the middle of our dive into the depths of the James Bond franchise, picking out what we feel are the heights and the anti-heights of the entire giant explodey series. This time around, we're facing Moonraker, a word that's on the tips of everyone's tongues. <clears throat> Based near a novel of the same name, we're going to pick apart this movie to see if it holds up to tight scrutiny. One of the best or one of the worst you'll see in this adventure-packed episode. On my left is my stalwart defender of the realm, Agent 014 himself, Max Levine. Grunt! And I'm I... To throw, I'm going to throw my
0: ascot at somebody.
1: that had hurt. Mm-hmm. And I am the chief of control, Mike Luce, but... <laughs> Before we begin, there's a little business that teets 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 teets. I didn't say teets, did I? Yes, I did. There's a little business In that needs taking care of. I can edit oh. teets out, can't I? You can say teets <laughs> on the air, can't you? Teets teets teets. talking uh, about cows, sure. Uh, oh, pants. Right. So we uh, are available now on a new platform. New platform. Not only are we on Apple's and Google's podcast apps, we are apparently on Spotify. Or so I yes. told. You so can if go you and like, search to for us on Spotify. Uh, yep. Is is that a verb, Spotify? To Spotify,
0: uh, I uh, probably I don't know. I think
1: Spotify's. I,
0: don't know. I think it's a perfect adverb. I don't know. However,
1: van does this? You can find this on the Spotify. Yeah, it's very cool. It's good. He's good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. Of course, you can also find us on other social media, such as Facebook and Twitter under Max Mike Movies. And our website, chock full of chocolatey yummy goodness with two eggs and a fried spam on top, uh, is www.maxmikemovies.com, where we have all our past episodes where you can comment and where you will also find our amazing email address, us at maxmikemovies.com, where you could be one of the very few lucky few To suggest an episode or tell us to get stuffed. Do you dare? Yeah, do you? Do you punk? (laughs) Right. So this week we're talking about Moonraker.
0: The show. So wider than a mile. Huh? No, no, no. Oh, <laughs> seeing you. no, no. Isn't that what, what it is? What did you watch? Uh-oh. <laughs> the, Andy, the Andy Williams Christmas special. Uh, Max
1: can spell. If you can spell, write us at... Okay, right. So we have some trivia for this uh, movie. The budget was $34 million, which at the time was quite a, a lot of money. Oh, by uh, the way, what but, year was this? Uh, this is 1979. Thank you. Sorry about that. Yeah. So for 1979, this was a huge chunk of change. Mm. Um, also a huge chunk of change was its take $210 million. Win, wow. win, win, win. The uh, opening gig involving the parachute jump took 88 trips to film as only a few seconds of usable footage was available per shot per jump. Good boy. There were parachutes somehow hidden in the actor's wardrobes, which I was like, really? Really? Wow, that's like Bond-level stuff right there. I know, right? And uh, the parachute over which they fight is, in fact, a dummy. The amazing, magical floating gondola that Bond pilots didn't exactly work as planned and was nicknamed the Bondola, and it kept (laughs) dumping him into the Mediterranean. It took five tries for it to work right, with Moore having to change his silk suit after every take. I would have paid to watch a gondola dump Roger Moore into the Mediterranean (laughs) over and over again. Well, apparently a lot of Italians were doing just that thing because they had to do a lot of crowd control, and apparently there was lots of paparazzi taking photos of him being dumped into the Mediterranean, so. Paparazzi in Italy, that's I know, right? <laughs> the big sky tram cable jaws bites in half was made of licorice.
0: <laughs> okay, then I got to give points to Richard, uh, uh, Richard Keel for doing that. I, I hate licorice. I don't, I'm not fond of it either.
1: This would remain the biggest Bond moneymaker until GoldenEye. Which, if you actually wow. know the lineup after this, is not that big a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Because guess what's coming up on the horizon? Octub- oh Would you like some octopusy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. This, however, would be the last appearance of Bernard Lee as M. Oh. He would uh, he would pass away before the full making of um, Free Your Eyes Only. According to the line at the end of The Spy Who Loved Me, this movie was supposed to be for your eyes only. This movie called Star Wars came out, got kind of yeah. huge, so the producers wanted to cash in on the whole space thing. <laughs> this is yeah. Dame Shirley Bassey's last recording for a Bond movie theme song, and it's her third. She's the only person to sing more than one of these opening numbers, Goldfinger wait, wait, and, and Diary wait, wait, wait. Her Being the Other. I,
0: oh, I was going to crack guess. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows Goldfinger. I I keep forgetting she did Diamonds Are Forever, and I really didn't know she sang uh, whatever the theme song for this movie was. Moonraker. Yeah. No, I would not have guessed that. (laughs) Moonraker!
1: Or whatever. Jaws switched from bad guy henchman to good guy savior was because of fan mail from younger Bond devotees. (laughs) True. Okay, and
0: yet this is the last movie he appears in. Which is fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No appearance of the legendary Walther PPK or any other handgun in this movie, possibly because of Moore's distaste of guns and shooting sports. The one shot he makes in the movie with an actual gun, shooting a sniper out of the tree, was something he did not like acting out. Huh. Okay, sure, because James Bond is nothing about guns. No. Yes, yes, those are indeed the notes from the Close Encounters theme used to open the musical locks in Venice's secret lab of imminent doom. No. Wink.
0: Yes, and the uh, oh. hunting horn is playing the 2001 Space Odyssey thing. Well, to be fair, that's a piece of music that existed outside of that movie. But Tell me they weren't thinking
1: about that specific use of it. In they weren't movie. thinking about that specific Well, you told me to tell you.
0: <sighs>
1: <laughs> One of the original choices to play Drax was Frank Sinatra. He was also offered the chance <laughs> to sing the opening song, which wouldn't have been at all awkward or weird. Oh, that would have been so much funnier. Yeah. Hey, we have another I, Bond
0: side character repeat in this movie. Did you catch it? Uh, hang on. No, I don't think so. Just jaws. Who who is the uh side the other one? The man who looks at his
1: wine when Bond comes out of the sea on the gondola is the same man from Spy Who Loved Me who looked at his wine when Bond drove out of the ocean in the Lotus and would reappear one more time in For Your Eyes Only as the man who looks at his wine when Bond does something strange. His name?
0: Um, Winey. Sure. <laughs> Winey McWinerson? Sure. Oh Lord. Really? That's the same. Okay. So the same guy who is basically doing a cartoon bit. Yeah. Which they do in the cartoons where something ridiculous happens, a character stares at the bottle he was drinking from, drops it, raises his hand, and takes the pledge never to drink again. He doesn't- that's what we've got in a Bond movie. <laughs>
1: Uh, now, to be fair, you're 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 bashing this film, and we, we're going to get to this. But okay, okay, uh, this is the second Bond movie in a row where Bond escapes with the aid of a parachute in the opening bit. <clears throat> yeah. The other one had the big Union Jack on it, but that's fine. Right. And much, much more. But we've got to get to the
0: plot. Yeah, what's so, the plot?
1: In this overlooked classic, Bond starts out this amazing tale. And in, in this overlooked, listen closely. I'm not going to repeat it again. In this, stop it. In this overlooked classic, Bond starts out this amazing tale in a thrilling bit of parachute acrobatics. The evil bad guys try to strand him on a falling aircraft, but Bond jumps after the pilot, takes his chute, and seems to be safe. But suddenly, Jaws is on his tail. There's thrills and chills as Bond makes his escape and Jaws falls into a circus tent, signaling the sexy start to another spy thriller. It seems that a wealthy industrialist, one Drax, has had one of his space shuttles lost while on loan to her majesty's government. Strangely, there's no sign of the shuttle in the wreckage of the plane that was carrying it. This sets Bond on the trail. After meeting with Drax and nearly getting off in the process, Bond follows clues to Venice where he meets up with one of Drax's scientists, Dr. Holly Goodhead, yeah, um whom he realizes is not what she seems. After some spine-tingling fights and chases, Bond continues on the trail of a cunning plot all the way to Rio. There, he runs afoul of Jaws again and barely makes it out alive. Subtle clues lead Bond to Guatemala, where he discovers that the thief was Drax all along, and he has a terrible plan to destroy all human life on Earth, only to replace it with the offspring of hand-picked people of his own. As Bond and Dr. Goodhead are left for dead, Drax and his six space shuttles head for their secret space station, where he plans to launch satellite globes with enough nerve gas to kill everyone on Earth. But Bond follows, and he and Dr. Goodhead, with the help of Turncoat Jaws, as well as a squadron of space marines, takes on Drax, his space station, and his wretched scheme, ending the tale with a space battle of galactic proportions and stunning special effects. Truly one of the masterpieces of the series.
0: Really? Lowdown. I you know, see.
1: So now, Max, I, you know, I, I'd seen this film when it came out. Uh huh. And I had, it, it's been on in the background in the past, and you know, nod, nod, wink, wink, say no more. But you know, having to sit there and watch it critically, I, I
0: I was surprised, weren't you? I was surprised that it was even worse than I remembered because I'm pretty sure I hadn't seen it since it came out. And I was thinking, I can't possibly, it can't be as bad as I remember. And it is. In fact, it's worse. Now, oh, come on. We had the whole space shuttle thing, which was very big back then. We
1: hadn't had the. Was it the Discovery? Was the first one Bond in space? <laughs> now, now, now. He'd done this before. When was he in space? Well, oh no, wait. Uh, did he actually yeah. go up? Yes, he. No, no he no, stayed he on didn't. the. We stayed on the ground in the Japanese one. That's right. He didn't yeah. go up, but the movie took place in space.
0: <laughs> Some of it did, yes.
1: So, so now it was using real science, right? Because the space shuttle. Uh, was a thing. Wait, now, now, now. Let me finish. Uh, the space shuttle was a thing. The original space shuttle, the Enterprise, which um, I don't believe ever actually got off the ground on its own, um, was in fact carried around piggyback on
0: a specially modified. I think. Oh, that's. Word. Oh, yeah, that's true. By the way, why were they calling it Moonraker? The shuttles never went anywhere near the moon. They weren't designed to go to the moon.
1: So I looked, I I don't even know why the novel was called Moonraker because it's, it's apparently it is a word, it is a term, but it's so, um, what's the, it's so vague and, and, and rarely used that I don't think anybody would have known what it meant. Like if you go actually, if you look it up in the dictionary, there's nothing, but when I looked it up online, I, it had some weird meaning, um, that I don't recall that is not important now. So, um, because, um. Um. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. Um, uh-huh. We get we get to see some some cool stuff. For, so the the RAF is in charge of of the shuttle. Uh, we don't actually get to find out what they're going to do with it, but that's okay. There was a lot of space exploration, cool stuff back in the late seventies, early eighties. It was mostly um, just a lot of it was uh, launching satellite technology. Yeah. Well, what which is done in this film, right? They launch that, but they do it from space, which is even cooler. Right? <laughs> now, admittedly, sure. the security in the RAF. Kind of sucks oh, because the film opens with two guys who just sort of get out of a closet
0: in the space shuttle and take yeah. off with it. Uh, hey, to be fair, that's kind of how Bond gets on board Drax's uh, space station. Well, He, he does least, the old beat up two guards, put on their uniforms and gets in the space shuttle. Well, but he at least puts on like the
1: spacesuit garb. Mm. And these guys are just like, you know, uh, Hans and Fritz or something. <laughs> I don't know. They just sort of, aha. Uh-huh. Nobody's supposed to be on the shuttle because they're just transporting it. And apparently it was fully gassed up, which I I admit is probably not scientifically accurate. But we have some really good model work here. So the guy who did the special effects, his name's Derek Meddings. He's probably best known for doing a lot of stuff for Jerry Anderson, who brought us things like Space 1999, UFO, and admittedly a lot of shows marionettes in them. (laughs)
0: Yeah, but to be fair, the things like the ships and the uh, buildings in those shows tended to look pretty interesting. He made great toys. Yeah, that, I, yeah, the toys. The UFO Interceptor, I used to love that. I, I couldn't never find it because I thought it was only a British release. It was a dinky toy. Oh.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it was only a British release. Um, UFO like got this like barely released over here. Yeah. Um, I think it was on Channel Twenty Seven, which for those who are in Boston was the UHF station that on a good day you could kind of get with Maybe. a lot of static.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you know, if you held onto the antenna, remember antennas, and <laughs> put put your foot on a like an aluminum pie plate, and you made your sister dance, and you fa- make sure you had to face magnetic north. Yeah. 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 But anyway, about the the movie, I mean. Okay, I I, I guess you must have liked it better than me because I can tell you, the opening with Jaws falling out of the plane... Well, okay, I I will Falling out of the plane without a working parachute and being saved because he hits a circus tent. Well, it's a big, (laughs) fluffy thing. He would have been a big pile of liquid protein with some... Iron, some steel teeth floating around in it now come on come on come on you he he took the whole
1: tent down when he hit it it's like a big airbag that all the stuntmen <laughs> jumped into seriously come on
0: from 20,000 feet no sure. he flapped <laughs> <laughs> but oh, yeah so which I will raises the whole problem with jaws in general I was not I, I remember when I was young I was I didn't like seeing him back. Jaws is ridiculous. Now, I know Bond has a history of having, like, not not the primary villain necessarily, except maybe Dr. No, but they always have the henchman who is, has some physical peculiarity, and in some cases is like borderline superhuman, like Oddjob and Goldfinger. I always thought Odd, he was the best example.
1: Oddjob had a hat. That's, he had a hat. That, that he also
0: could... Hat. He also, Bond hits him in the chest with like a 50-pound gold brick and Oddjob doesn't even flinch. There are guys who used to get hit in the belly with a cannonball. Okay, yeah, it's okay. You see, I'll give you this. Oddjob is just this, obviously, immensely strong, well-trained guy. Yeah. But he's not a Superman. Well, that's None of them are. Jaws, on the other hand, <laughs> now, can, he bites through two inch steel cable. Yeah. I don't care if he's got steel teeth. Do you know the jaw muscles you'd need? His head would be 13 feet wide. Well, he's a very big
1: guy. Besides, <laughs> what' a big cereal. <laughs> they're playing on, the, they're very, very tongue-in-cheek playing on another thing that was big at the time, and that was
0: the shark Jaws, right? From Jaws, named but Bruce, admittedly. But. It, this is where it goes, but there's so much in this movie that doesn't just go. I mean, okay, Bond is always sort of just str- walking the edge of being a comic book. Here it goes right into cartoon. Oh, now come on, no, no, we're skipping way ahead because we're okay. still on the. We, we, I we would like point ahead. ahead.
1: I, I will say there are some things about this film that did kind of make me chuckle in ways that I shouldn't. Because when he's on that plane, all I could think of was, "Oh, Bond is almost taken out by Guido, the killer pimp." <laughs> 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 it's it's a me, Amadio. I don't know it, why it they kind came of look that, that way. I yeah. with that mustache. I don't know. Um, and I wondered, I did wonder, it being a very small plane, um, you know, it's a minor point. I, I could easily look over it, but I did wonder how Jaws was able to sneak
0: onto it. Yeah, how do you hide him? He was like half the size
1: of the plane. It, 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 he was busy looking at the girl. That's that's yeah. what it was. Who you had understand. Just, those, of you, those of
0: you who haven't seen this or Spy Who Loved Me, Jaws is played by Richard Keel. Who is very, very large. Over seven feet tall, massive. And pretty much spent his career playing big scary guys because he, um, his acting skills were.
1: <laughs> uh, well, there's one movie I know where they let him talk, and that is the yeah. Human Duplicators. And yep, you know it's, it's very it, exciting to watch him uh, do his lines on Yeah, he t- kind of
0: t- sounds t- like George Takei <laughs> on a lot of value. Yeah,
1: he gets one line in this
0: film. He gets one line in all the films. He gets to one line. He gets one line. It's like yeah, Silent Bob, basically. Yeah. Well. He's yeah, he's not. there basically for his physical, and they're very smart. They don't give him a lot to say because he's he's not an actor. He's basically a piece of scenery. He's a set piece. He's very large and imposing, and he
1: can do great. I and mean, When he picks people up, you know there are no wires. Like, yeah, you believe gets, it, or when he, he grabs them.
0: When he grabs somebody by the head, you can see his hand covers their entire head. Yeah. It's actually it
1: reminded me of the there's a scene in a in a very early episode of the original Star Trek where they had Ted Cassidy, who is also uh-huh. a very large person. Better Ted known Cassidy. as better known ben as Lurch from right. the Adams family. Ted Cassidy's character Ruck literally picks William Shatner up (laughs) over his head and throws him and there are no wires. And Uh I'm willing to bet that William Shatner did a little hop to help. But I, every time I watch that, it's like, Oh yeah. Him big painful hurt me. Yeah. So Uh Jaws. Yeah. He's back. You know, he was popular. They brought him back, but he is very imposing. And, and I believe that his strength and his, his, Physicality allows him to do and get away with certain things,
0: uh, if, you know. And sneaking onto the plane, maybe not so much. But. There are things that should have killed twenty other people, and he just shrugs them off. Never mind that in Spy Who Love Me, he eats a shark.
1: Well, that's why he's Jaws. <laughs> but, uh, you didn't get it. Come on.
0: <laughs> this is anyway. Let, let's know yeah, we're, we're obsessing on this one character. Right, well, First let's, off, let's get to Hugo Drax. Oh, wait, let's not even bad. get there
1: because. Thankfully, after last week, we are back to that sexy opening.
0: Oh, yes, sexy, we do it. Sexy, sexy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rexy, you're so sexy. Oh, sexy. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. back to the half-naked women it's scrolling around on
1: firearms. It's disco. I mean, the, yep. the, the well, we get the disco theme version at the end, I'll admit. the The song is forgettable. Um, I will say Dame Shirley Bassey is not forgettable. Oh, man, did she have a great voice.
0: Oh, serious pipes that woman. Oh if you
1: do not god. know her or if you only know her from this, look her up. She did an appearance a couple of years back on the Academy Awards and while her voice was not what it was, mm-hmm. she can still belt it. Like, yeah. a lot of people can't. One of the only people I know who can still belt it at that age is Tom Jones. And oh my god, huh. that man can still just like knock it out of the park.
0: But Okay. We get the
1: sexy. We get the sexy opening, yeah. and it's basically lots of naked women jumping around to a song that you don't remember. Yeah, and we're
0: we're in the, we're in the height of the Bond sexism here. I mean, yeah. good heavens! The the major female lead, the Bond girl, is Doctor Goodhead. I remember, and I'm going to avoid making any jokes like her first name is Gives. No, that was actually in a review. I uh, read a
1: review at the time that said Doctor Goodhead and know her first name isn't Gives or no middle name because her first name is Holly. Right, and it's like, yeah, that's. I will admit, okay, I will back off here, and I will say that that was a very poor choice of a name because it was meant to be a very wink, wink, nudge, nudge joke, and it's,
0: it's like it's like all of them. I mean, my God. When we talk, when we get to Goldfinger, that's probably the worst example. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll talk about that when that happens. But also, Bond's sexism is at its height when he's oh, introduced boy. to her, saying, you know, he knows, all he knows is he's going to talk to someone named Dr. Goodhead. He meets her, and his first response is, a woman? Yeah. That's, and he actually says that. Now, to the film's
1: um, positive side... To give a film a point, she looks at him and she goes, "You're very observant." You know, so she gives a little little nudge back, uh-huh. right? So you know, uh-huh. and heck, look who she's working for, Drax. He's a mastermind. Look at what he's getting away with,
0: Master oh, uh, Hugo Drax. Well, first of all, I can see why he left the Guardians of the Galaxy at this point. Different um, drax <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, right. Uh, the name he obviously, the name obviously, went to his tailor and his barber and said. Make me look like a super villain. <laughs> is that everything about him, the hair, the clothes, it's like it, it, all he needs is the white cat and he's Blofeld. <laughs> now, now, come on. Didn't you find his, his lack of facial expression menacing? <laughs> no, I got the feeling he just wasn't paying attention. His facial expression never changes, his voice pitch goes within about a half an octave. That guy doesn't act. I mean, he's he's just. I know he's trying to pull off the sort of menacing calm, but what it comes off is is I don't care. <laughs> I, see, I,
1: do. I, I found his detachment to be very menacing and very very like evil without twirling a mustache and stuff. So I I I, I don't know. This this is in a, in, a, in a time of Bond films where things could go a little far and get out of hand. But I, I thought that he had with his restraint, his performance really helped sell him as an evil genius without him saying, aha ah, ha, I'm an evil genius. <laughs>
0: yeah. And uh, the first time he tries to kill Bond, yeah. first off that whole segment, he he has his whole space he, he basically has his own space camp. Yeah. This guy is like a proto Elon Musk. So like, I'm set, I'm going to, to have people in space. The movie's precious. Sure. And I'm going to dress them all like the episode of Star Trek where they meet Vol. They're all in these white tunics. None of them have any lines. <laughs> well, that's just, if you were an evil
1: mastermind, wouldn't you hire a gaggle of um, attractive young people to dance around in as little as possible? <laughs> I mean, isn't that the first thing you do, Max? I'm pretty sure you told me that one drunken night. You know, if, if I were an evil gen- gen- genius, I would... Fla- flawless of-
0: impression there, Mike. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was Max. If you uh-huh. know, it totally was Max. But he's got, he's got everything. He even has one of those centrifuge things. Which, by the way, do you know what those things are called? But the, the astronauts call them, they call them the vomit comet.
1: Well, I thought the vomit comet was when they were up in the plane doing the the real free fall. I think that's the vomit comet. Oh, really? Yeah, the when you when they were, like when they do the um, they take a plane up really high and right, then they, then they they drop suddenly dive. Yeah, that's the vomit comment.
0: Oh, okay, my mistake. But, that's but the centrifuge, just- that's to test your, your tolerance for G-Force. Right. And they just go, hey, why don't you get in and try it, Mr. Bond? And even while I'm watching, my first thought is, I'll tell you why, because you only get into one of those things after extensive physical tests because they're insanely dangerous. Well, but Bond is is so... Tuned. He's a they highly don't tuned... know that. Well just here, get in. It's like it's like a carnival ride. People most people pass out at seven Gs, which may be true. I, I don't know. Maybe that is true. He makes it to 13, which yeah, yeah. He should have basically
1: his brains should have been coming out his nose. But see, this just reinforces that whole mystique of Bond being above the normal man. Uh-huh. That's why they did it. Come on. Uh, I and
0: really missed. The, the first henchman that tries to murder him is the Japanese Mo Howard.
1: Uh, all right, so Klon, or whatever his name is, is not, <laughs> not the brightest bulb in, in, the, in the tool shed. But he, 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 Drax says, Do, make sure something happens. So he tries to make it look like an accident so nobody can be
0: blamed, right? He's trying to cover uh, his trail. Yeah, I, I like how that's only once, because then the next time Drax decides to have Bond killed, he has a sniper in a tree pointing a high-powered rifle at him. Well, but that
1: is on fail, it fails cuz Bond sees him and 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 manages to
0: shoot him and he, he proves that he's the smarter man. Yeah, right? I still like that the fact that uh, Hugo Drax who is obsessed with high technology and space travel, what does he do for fun? Pheasant hunting. Well, he had them specially flown in, I guess. That's possible. Awesome. <laughs> 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 Obviously he has hired professional pheasant pluckers or perhaps the pheasant plucker's son, I'm not sure. I actually loved his little lonely goat herd hat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to shoot all the lonely goat herd. You're lonely, <laughs> oh lonely. <laughs> I will. now okay, so there's a little scene that comes right after that that I admit I, I was a little surprised at. So this 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 young lady that, that Bond seduces, because man, he's pretty much women melt around him because he's that kind of guy. She is Uh found out because Klon watched her basically give bond the keys to the city and he fires her. She drives up in a little golf cart and he fires her. So she starts to leave and they release the hoons. Mm -hmm. Um, I must admit, I don't understand why she didn't just get back into the golf cart and drive away instead of (laughs) running into the forest. But yeah, uh, in her high
0: heels, which by the way, I noticed in a shot, her feet come up into into the shot and she's not wearing heels she's wearing boots all of a sudden
1: uh it well you know sometimes boots go with dresses
0: uh huh yeah they yeah they they didn't want the actress to
1: break her ankles so. Well, you know that's fair so when do you <laughs> caught a little flub you know that happens that happens yeah. um sadly oh i mean gladly we don't see her ripped apart by dobermans on camera cuz it would have taken it past dpg i was surprised at how long that
0: sequence went on
1: yeah, I mean, she runs to—actually, you know what it reminds me of? Wasn't there a scene like this? Yeah, there was. There was a scene like this in Game of Thrones where—what's um, his um, name?
0: Ramsay Bolton sent yeah. his dogs after people. Yeah, but the yeah. thing is— See, so usually, they lift it off from this. Yeah, uh, Sure, because in, in Bond movies, there's a lot of bizarre deaths. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're submerged into boiling lava or painted to death with gold paint or— mm-hmm. Which wouldn't work, by the way, yeah, but yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. They uh, did it on uh, MythBusters. They they, yeah. they painted
1: Adam Saffin. <laughs> <laughs> now they did say uh, that he had a raised heart rate and a raised uh, respiration, so they were worried, but they weren't sure he would
0: actually have died. You know, you get really sick. It's pretty. It's not safe to have your whole body painted. But anyway. uh, yeah, we'll we'll come back to that when we do that. Yeah, if we do it, but. Uh, this is Biff being chased by dogs, and they linger on it for an awfully long time. Well, that's to
1: show how evil a man's is. Uh, he can't just be, you know, laconically bad. He has to be actively, And that's what I, again, we're going to go back he's to he's not there.
0: It's not like he's watching them tear her apart. Well, they he chase her into the movie. woods, and he's off sitting there in his little goat herd hat. And- <laughs> <laughs> well, but see, he can
1: be evil from afar. <laughs>
0: Ah, come on. Okay. Uh-huh.
1: It, I, and again, this reinforces that, that very subtle still faced performance that he's giving as this bond villain, instead of twirling a mustache, licking his little pinky and asking after a million dollars, he is able to be
0: evil, quietly evil, it's subtle. I'd still say boring, but okay. Uh, well, so whatever. then suddenly we're in Venice. <laughs> oh no, but we see, run it, What Venice. Venice yes.
1: is one of those exotic locations, which currently admittedly is underwater, but we get to, now, have you been to, you haven't been to Italy, have you? I have not. I have you been have. To, I, I have, I've actually, that was, that was St. Mark's Square, um, uh, Piazza San Marco, and uh, it is actually a lot more crowded now than it was then, but still, we get to see the major part of Venice, and it's nice. very cool and exotic,
0: uh, yeah, except it's also filled with every possible cliche you can come up with. How, mean- there is a chase scene, and of course, what does it involve? Gondolas. And not just any gondola. Bond is chased by the death gondola. no huge he- black one with a coffin on top. Obviously supposed to be like a gondola hearse, if that's a thing. It might be.
1: You you don't know. You
0: don't know. (laughs) I'm willing to take an
1: educated guess. I will tell you, having been to Venice, there's a lot of gondolas. Mm. There's a lot. That's mostly what's there. They don't want people zooming through those tiny, narrow little canals on motorboats because you know that suddenly the water's coming in your kitchen, which you know, admittedly, (laughs) it
0: does anyway. Yeah.
1: Well, okay, so Venice floods
0: a little. You know, it it happens, but whatever. That's it. There is a sequence. Well, first off, that's where you get the guy with the wine dropping it. And I, I swear you get, like, cartoon sound effects. And then when Bond activates his hovercraft gondola... Wasn't that I, cool? It looked ridiculous. Oh, come on. Didn't you want one
1: of those? No. I'm oh, like, oh, man, I could go in the water and then get out on a hovercraft. I mean, admittedly, okay, so gondola's a little long. But, you know, <laughs>
0: it was cool. The way they show the crowd. Well, first of all, there's uh, all these visual... Jokes that are right out of a Warner Brothers cartoon at one point. Like name one. There's a couple making out in a gondola. Yeah. In the front of the gondola. And suddenly, Bond's gondola cuts it in half. And the gondolier just keeps trying to pull the gondola along, although his half is sinking. And the two people in front never stop making out. All right, so I I can explain this. So the
1: gondolier is in shock because this is the 70s, and the water in, in, in and around Venice was, shall we say... Not as crystal clear as it would be in later Bond films, <laughs> um, and he was just in shock of having to go into that muck. And the couple, let's face it, they're into each other. They're not paying attention as long as they can keep smooching. What do they care? Uh-huh. Oh, it's a little bit of levity to 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 lessen the impact of what could otherwise be an
0: overly violent sequence. And uh, then you have the wine, the wine guy, and then you have when he when he drives into the piazza San Marco.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, they actually show first of all. People are jumping out of the way, waiters are dropping bottles. Right. It, and I swear there's like doing boom. And they actually have a close up of a pigeon doing a double take. They loop the film, so the pigeon appears to be doing a double take at the gondola. I mean, it might as well be saying suffering fuck atash. Oh, come
1: on. Again, it's just a little levity. It's just a little fun. Yee. Show that Bond is not all serious.
0: That's all. And then, of course, they do what what is a big cartoon thing. He visits a glass museum, which I know glass there's parts of Venice where that are very famous for glass making. Sure is the Murano Glassworks, have been there. Yep. And the uh he's shown around this glass museum that is full of basically the guy I might as well say Look at all of these incredibly expensive, breakable things. I sure hope no one ever has a fight scene in here that destroys all of this glass. See, but- guess what happens in the next scene? It's no. like Chekhov's gun in the drawer. Chekhov's gun in the what? Uh, I don't it remember. Was, uh,
1: no, no, no. Sula was the one who liked guns. <laughs>
0: What are you talking about? Oh, Chekhov's Chekhov's rule is if you show someone putting a gun in the drawer in Act 1, they have to use the gun by at least Act 3. Pavel Chekhov wrote plays? Yeah, yes, he did, because they were all invented in, in Russia, and they're all about nuclear vessels. Oh, that Chekhov. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: why didn't you say? Uh-huh, that Chekhov. Come on. All right, so yes. now that's, that's just a nod for the audience to let them in a little bit, to say, hey, you know, we know you're part of this. We're going to let you know. See, we're going to let, give a little foreshadowing So because you know the fun is to come. That's all. Uh huh. Yeah. And then, of course,
0: Drax's henchman, Clon, or Chen. <laughs> Chang, Chang. shows Chang. up and he is dressed in a full practice suit with a bamboo sword. Well, That's that is how he is, tri- he is trying, I think, to nudge Bond to death. Well, have you ever been hit by a bamboo sword? <laughs>
1: I have. You know where you can can get a bamboo sword? Yes, I do.
0: (laughs) Then shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so never mind that. And then they end up back in the glass museum and basically break every single glass in it.
1: Again, it's trying to lighten the violence to make it more
0: palatable for our younger viewers. That's all. Yeah, And then, of course, Bond throws him through the glass clock face down into the plaza below Where an opera is being performed, because let's not forget we're in Italy. Oh, no, no, wait, wait, wait. And the best part is Chan goes head first through a piano. All right, I
1: have to stop you right there. Because at night, actually even during the lunchtime period, but mostly at night in Piazza St. Marco, all of the cafes, restaurants that are open like that, many of them have orchestras, and opera
0: singers. Ah, I've been right. there. I've I seen you it. that. You have been there. I have not.
1: Yep. It is actually a thing and they are
0: very expensive. And do they also have Asian assassins falling headfirst through pianos and being wedged in them like a cartoon? On the day
1: I was there, <laughs> I didn't happen to see that, but it could happen. Uh-huh. We're in a Bond film. Come on. You have to suspend your disbelief a little bit. Just a little I they, they ran out of suspension of disbelief after the centrifuge. Oh, come on. But now,
0: now, yeah. from Venice, he ah, get God to go said. to Rio de Janeiro. And he now. he ends up in Rio, and okay, again, I don't mind coincidence, Bond films, it just happens to be
1: during Carnival. Right. Which, you know, it's not like they'd done that in a previous, uh,
0: okay, they kind yes. of Yes. And I gotta say, this is that was the, something that in terms of the location, that's the one thing I always like about Bond films, is you see really cool locations. This made Carnival look boring. Oh, really? I think I thought it looked kinda of like fun. But
1: the one thing I would say, I and this is a point against the film, but I will say that um miraculously there's there's um there's no poor people.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Like yeah, even no. when we're looking over everything with the telescope and stuff, it's like everything is gleaming in white, there's no poor people. No, uh, not really. no, no graffiti, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But and but
0: George this, shows up again. He does, and we get this really cool cable car sequence. Yes, this is the one where Jaws bites through two inch steel cable. Well, if uh, teeth. Turns what has got to be a three hundred pound iron wheel, and then, you know, goes down and tries to beat up the cable car. No, no, no. He gets
1: on a cable car and his henchman, who admittedly we have probably the, the seen worst henchman, henchman in the movie. <laughs> I don't think he had any teeth. Um he he gets Jaws up there and he's caught Bond in the middle of this cable car and like, where's Bond going to go, right? I thought that was actually it's like, hey, I've cornered you finally. And if somebody falls out of a cable car, yeah, he was probably just a drunken Carnival guy. So it works out. Except, of course, that, you know, Jaws doesn't succeed, else the franchise would have come to a screeching halt. Yes, they
0: basically beat him by slapping him a lot. <laughs> and well,
1: then they, 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 they get- knock him into the cable car, then mm-hmm. they grab a chain and they, they glide down the cable. Like, yes. what else are you
0: going to do? Then the cable car, what else are you going to do? Yes, the cable car crashes into the cable station at the base. And, jo- and, 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 uh, but before we go far, I will give you that it
1: was plainly obvious that 7-Up paid a lot of yes. money
0: for this movie. <laughs> that was some serious 7-Up product placement. And it won't be the last one in this film either. I'll no. Say, but. This is, and this is where we meet Jawsette, or Jaws' love interest. I don't know what her name is. She doesn't have any lines, and she doesn't get a name. No, well, what she, she does, has, but I what, what it was. She, what, she, what she has is some remarkable chest muscles. Well, uh, she, here, she comes over thing. and helps helps him get out of the rubble, and it's love at first sight. You know, they're from two different worlds. He's pretty much in his own orbit at this point. You know, she, he's about four feet taller than she is, but it's love at first sight.
1: Isn't that nice?
0: Because it, well, it makes no sense. It doesn't fit the plot. It doesn't add anything. Sure it does because it's sort of like beauty and the beast. She sees
1: <laughs> the inner part of him. How he doesn't talk to her. She just does. That's, that's her. That's the whole point of her uh-huh. is that she sees the better parts of jaws and it's the beginning. It's laying the seeds for him turning later on in the film, which you know we're giving away, but so what? Um, the thing cut- that, here, no, wait, there's, here's a weird yep. thing that I would kind of remembered and then forgotten. And I noticed in the trivia, I didn't bring it up. Um, Let's see if this rings a bell. When she first shows up, she smiles at him. He smiles at her. She smiles at him. In the original cut of the film, she's wearing braces. Oh. And it turns out that that later in the film, she's not. And they decided, oh, uh, what are we going to do? So they digitally painted them out. They could do that in 1979? No, this is on subsequent releases. Oh, okay. But it was just like I say, yeah. like, I remember there being some reason like she smiled. What what's uh, so well, that's
0: what they had in common dental yeah. work? Well, it was it was the dental beginning. Dental work was,
1: and super strength. Okay. So there you go. And she was a little she was supposed to be somebody who was nerdy or or not accepted, although I'm willing to bet that if you undid her braids and took her glasses off, suddenly she was, you know. You know, how they do that model thing. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm no. not pretty.
0: You know, no, you um, can
1: tell she's very pretty.
0: Eva Grub. that's what it was. She was uh. Eva Grubb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the other thing is, why, why is, you know, they're in Rio de Janeiro and she looks like Heidi from the Swiss Alps. Well, maybe she's German. <laughs> maybe she's a tourist, sure. There's a lot of Germans in South America. <laughs> Great, you're telling me she's a Nazi descendant. Oh, wonderful. She could be, you don't know. <laughs> Uh, Right. And so there is this scene that just really annoyed me because they cut after, uh, Holly gets kidnapped or some such. Well,
1: he, he's uh, making out with her on the hill. They dropped from the cable car. Right. And then this fake ambulance shows
0: up and kidnaps them. Yeah. And he gets away and she disappears, which, okay. Now I will,
1: I will slow down and I will give you a couple things here. Um, he manages to get out of the, the ambulance Mm-hmm. Um, because they don't notice that the gurney that they've tied him to um has easily escapable rungs or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why she doesn't get out of the
0: ambulance. I'll admit that part did confuse me. Yeah, especially because um, we find out we have found out by this point she is not just, you know, a, a brilliant scientist. We know this because they tell us, because she gives no indication of this otherwise. She's also working for the CIA. Because she has super nifty gadget stuff too, including super flamey perfume. <laughs> yes, which but apparently she has at several points absolutely no hand-to-hand combat skill. And then suddenly she has hand-to-hand combat skill. Well, she can't fight Jaws. I mean nobody can. I'm mean, not Jaws. She beats up one guy by hitting him with a gas can.
1: Well, what, sure. There it was. You, she knows you know, comic how to use what, what is that? What is that skill? Uh, uh, um, using weapon? Uh, uh, using weapon? Oh,
0: use any object as a weapon? Yeah.
1: Yeah. See, so you've used it in your own games. So. so you're
0: saying she's bullseye? Okay.
1: Well, well, I mean, she's not perfect, but sure, she improvises. Improvised weapon. That's what I want.
0: Ah. Uh, yeah. So now, what's the part of this scene that you don't like? In the next scene, we see Bond riding across a place. Uh he's wearing a messerapi and he's wearing a brazilian hat and they are playing the magnificent 7 theme. Well he's on a horse he's he's he's
1: adapted and, to the local
0: But garb. there's only 3 of them there's him and two nameless guys. Meaning? How he doesn't get to, he doesn't get to play magnificent 7?
1: They're going to find the other 4. <laughs> Oh come on it's just another little little audio reference that's all uh, It's a great piece of music for that sort of outdoorsy big country it kind It doesn't of thing. belong in a bond movie It doesn't last very long it's fine It's Ugh. Max is being too picky I'm just saying Sorry right, so we get there and uh, he meets up with with M and Q and Money Penny and then he and heads they, off. Where do they send him? What country is he? In? I think at that point he's actually somehow ends up in Guatemala because it was listed in the credits. Okay. I don't, I don't understand yes. exactly why. But then he, so they, 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 uh, they find out that the uh, the vial of, of nerve toxin that he found in Venice,
0: which he found in Venice, by the way, in the glass factory there, and it, which was full of basically nerve gas that affected killed humans but not rats.
1: Well, and not animals. Okay. Right. And to be fair, to be fair, there are many drugs that do things with humans that do nothing to things like dogs and cats. Are any of them nerve toxins? Well, I don't know because the reason I know is because my partner's a veterinarian and he doesn't tend to use nerve toxin in his work. <laughs> well, uh, not he, often. Well, he, what if,
0: he, if he's obviously not trying.
1: But what I'm saying is that the physiology, although similar between us and our little furry friends, is not exact, and things like
0: this are potentially possible. So I question anyway. I question whether there is any nerve toxin that causes death within thirty seconds that animals could just shrug off. Didn't look it up, did you? <laughs> Didn't have to.
1: You should. <laughs> anyway, it turns out it is from uh, derived from a very rare orchid. Now, to be fair. Orchids do have not only medicinal properties, but orchids are a very touchy, um, very, what creepy, creepy, creepy species or plant. And many of them have very strange and, and weird properties. Um, the least of which is a lot of people don't know this, but vanilla is actually derived from the seed pods of an orchid plant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can get poisons anyway. So this is orchid that was supposedly extinct. And Bond happens to know where it was found, and so they're like, "I bet that's where Drax's lair is." And sure enough, it's an old—I can't remember—I can't remember—supposed it's supposed to be Aztec or Mayan or. Um, I'm not Holtec. sure. It's a t-
0: I, I just thought of it as the Temple of Admiral Akbar because he follows this beautiful woman in, and it's like, "Hello, it's a trap." Well, she, she's there to lure him in.
1: They want to get yeah, him into a place. They where They obviously know what will work too. Well, it, come on, it's Bond. I mean, there's yeah. certain things you know about Bond. You know what he likes to drink, and you know that he likes women. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they they get him in there, and there's a really exciting fight he
0: has with this anaconda, and it's not his own. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, and I then, I also didn't think anacondas were water hunters, but okay, they are. That
1: actually is true. They do. but right. uh, They can swim. Most snakes can swim. Um, admittedly, it's it's you know they don't they don't have hands to paddle, but they slither and they. Anyway, um, so now we find that this is where Drax is launching his his shuttles from, which you gotta admit, if you're gonna launch shuttles like the middle of the jungle in Guatemala is probably not a bad place
0: to pick because who the heck would look there. Well, sure, but except it might be a little noticeable when you were moving three hundred million tons of equipment into the middle of the jungle.
1: Eh.
0: Uh-huh. Eh. yeah then we get then we get like what five minutes of watching shuttles take off. Obviously they had a little bit of this footage and they were gonna use the heck out of it. Well, they want us to be excited by the idea
1: of going into space, uh huh. Which man was doing at that time? We were finally going to have a reusable vehicle, so they're just playing on the whole interest in the space program at the time. That's
0: all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a reason they though that they were the mute time of that one. <laughs> I'll edit it out. You'll never know what happened, ladies.
1: <laughs> Damn <and laughs> mute button. Yeah. So 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 yeah, we get to see the uh, the uh, shuttles take off,
0: and we also get you know again. Bond is thrown into another easily escapable death trap, which the villain then decides not to watch. It wasn't that easy. If he didn't have that bomb in his watch, they'd have been toast. (laughs) Right, if there hadn't been this incredibly useful air vent. And by the way, folks, if you're directly under a shuttle taking off with solid fuel rockets and uh, you climb into an air vent and crawl 15 feet, you're perfectly safe. Because as we all know, the back blast from... uh, from a space shuttle, lives in mortal fear of air vents.
1: It's it's just one the of those... heat would have melted them. It's an action sequence. Come on, you didn't say the same thing in, what was it, The Day After Tomorrow where they outran that, that cold... I runs? very
0: much said that when they were running away from the cold air. There are
1: plenty of <laughs> movies where the, the heroes <laughs> run away from explosions. Happens all the time. Uh, Happens uh, all no.
0: the time. So oh, yeah. Also, are- I, I wanted to go with another note. When I'm watching... Bond fighting the Anaconda. All I could think is, it's Bela Lugosi and the rubber octopus all over again. Oh, come on. Because he's twisting that thing around himself. And no, Bela- he's not. Yes,
1: he is. It's the thing very is realistic. A There's no hand. It's not like the the, uh, the snake in uh, The Day the Earth Froze. That's totally different. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> There's a
0: comparison.
1: Bon- <laughs> Bond and Dr. Goodhead uh, are able to sneak aboard one of the shuttles. And we find out that it's things are worse than we thought, because not only does he have this nerve toxin, he's completed his plan, Drax, that is, he has got a space station from which he is going to launch these satellites and spread this nerve toxin around the world and wait till it dissipates. And then he's got people up there that are um, going to um, <laughs> yes. well, do the um, yeah. zero G shuffle it. <laughs> and, and they're going to be the progenitors of a new human race
0: right? Yeah, because apparently Mr. Drex has never read Thomas Malthus or anything about a viable genetic pool. Because about how many people would you say he has up there? Well, come on. About how many? Ten. (laughs) We see about ten. I would be willing to say, now they're like ten per shuttle, and there are about five, six shuttles. There you go, see? He's got about 60 or 70 people. Sure. Does that sound like enough of a gene pool to repopulate a planet? Hmm? Sure.
1: <laughs> now, I think you're thinking too much, Meg. You're not letting I, yourself be entertained. Uh, That's
0: the problem. I, so I was that, entertained I say, because when I see uh, Drax walking around in his outfit, my first thought was Dr. No called. He wants his jacket back.
1: Okay, whatever. That was white. His was beige. They weren't the same. It was a little more Nehru in the case of cracks. <laughs> but man, you were just like nitpicking the crap out of this movie. Aren't I like, though? Oh, but I don't know. So anyway, we get to space and there's this, this giant space station with a, a radar jamming system, which to be fair, is reasonable.
0: No, it isn't because part of the way way you avoid radar is the shape. You try to have no hard edges. You try to have nothing but curved surfaces. And that thing looks like somebody dumped an erector set into space and just let the pieces drift together.
1: Now, 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 that stealth bomber was all hard angles. There was no round parts to it at all. And I'm going to say, too, that that thing being all spindly and stuff would have helped deflect it. But they had an active... Radar jamming system. Right, they had a magic anti-radar
0: field. Oh come on! Right out of Flash Gordon. I no, no, it wasn't. And again, anyway, they have a very exciting. I'm sorry, you're right. It's right out of Santa Claus versus the uh, conquers the Martians. That was a cardboard box. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, so yeah, they get up. Yeah, right. They get up there. Drax goes off on his evil plan, and 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 Bond is there too
1: try and stop it unfortunately he does not succeed and jaws catches him mm-hmm. but bond shows that he's not an idiot and he basically spells out the plan in front of jaws saying basically uh yeah you and your girlfriend aren't going to be among the people who get to
0: um you know do a little space because, hockey. because he is uh, um Drax wants genetically perfect people right. jaws you can make an argument for this guy's got super he's a super he's you know, a superhero or a supervillain. He's got super strength. But his girlfriend is, gasp, short. Well, she wears, and she glasses. wears glasses.
1: So that's... The, well, of course, originally she wore braces too, <laughs> but I don't... Yeah, okay. So, anyway, so realizing that if he doesn't do anything, he's not going to make it either, Jaws switches sides and allows Bond to put the kibosh on the artificial gravity and... Uh, he and Dr. Goodhead have taken out the radar jamming system, which allows uh, we get another returning character. We get General Gogol, who's been mm-hmm. in a number of Bond films, and I think will actually continue to appear for quite some time. Yeah. And the Russians, and Americans go basically, hey, is that yours? No, nine, not yet. He's not mine, he's yours. And they go, You go oh, go take care of it. I have women here to have fun with. So Yes. Yeah, so by
0: the way, I remember asking a friend of an astrophysicist friend of mine, Paul, about this. Do you know how long it takes to prep a shuttle for launch? Well, that's why they have them ready. Do you? That's why they have them ready. They don't, though. They never did. It takes two months. Well, if you remember- these guys just go, okay, let's go. If you will remember, to the
1: beginning of the film, they were borrowing a shuttle (laughs) so that they could go and do things in space. So obviously, they were already ready to do them. But they, they lost that shovel, that one, because they needed the second <laughs> one to go and do stuff, in and they didn't have any others. Oh, Max, Max, so nitpicky. So Anyway, <laughs> so they show up, and we get this really cool space battle because that was what was big in oh, the yeah, seventies. Star Wars cool. came out; people wanted to see the laser battles and stuff. And there's this, there's there's stuff because it's
0: the All, I could, film, and we all I could think stuff. was it's the battle of the Major Matt Masons, which was a space <laughs> toy for my child, our childhood. It was very cool and
1: exciting. And <laughs> Bond manages, they had launched three of those globes, right? So the Earth is still in danger. We, we get to shove uh, Drax into an airlock, and he goes floating off into space. And to their credit, because a lot of people get this wrong, you would not explode in space, and Drax does not explode. Nope. But so you do die. You asphyxiate, apparently, is what what actually kills you. Mm-hmm. Um, Right. So Bond and Dr. Goodhead get in the shuttle. She is a trained astronaut. They have established this early in the film so she can pilot and they just barely manage to shoot the globes before they spread their evil poison nastiness. What, what do they shoot them with? The laser on the shuttle on the
0: shuttle. Right. Well, we've been using lasers the whole time. Right. The Come laser on. cannon, which then in the last one, bond who has never used one of these has to use manually and shoots the, th- the last one. I mean, to be fair, it was set up like a video game, so it wasn't that hard.
1: And lasers (laughs) were established in the Bond universe back in Goldfinger, and that was the 60s. Yeah, that
0: that laser actually made sense. That laser was the size of a massive machine with a huge power source. All of the space marines have personal laser guns. But they're big. That was 40 years ago, and we still don't have that. Well, this
1: is top-secret technology that you (laughs) don't know about. Besides, it's more exciting to have stuff that looks futuristic. That's why they put it in there. Anyway, anyway. Mm -hmm. So we do get that fun ending, where, which is not a surprise, where they decide to have a a joint live telecast with the space shuttle. And of course, there's Bond and Dr. Goodhead doing it, floating around in space. Yes, this is being broadcast to the White
0: House and and to Buckingham Palace.
1: (laughs) So the Queen has a, a little shock. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, and and we get the uh, to be fair, we get a very fun joke from Q. He says, "I, I think he's attempting uh, reentry." Uh, I laughed; it was funny. And then uh, the film ends, and we find out that the next
0: movie will, in fact, be the one that this was supposed to be, which is "For Your Eyes Only." Hmm. Oh yes, so. there's also a little throwaway because Jaws and his girlfriend stay behind on the space station, which is blowing up because reasons. Well, they're, but they're, there's they're a little radio. In the that they, were rec- they were rescued. Yeah, and by the way, they still don't get names. The girl doesn't said so they. They report they've rescued a tall man and a short woman, short blonde woman, short blonde woman. Yes, that's that's it. So what? I guess they were hoping they could bring him back again. Well, you know, I
1: think that they decided that, that Jaws had had run his his course, and to be fair, he's now a good guy, more or less. He was, Well, we're just about out of time. Oh, yeah. So uh, do you have any more notes of stuff that you wanted to uh, talk about? I kept thinking with all lasers. I kept wanting
0: to say Bond shot first. (laughs) Well, of course he would. Uh And, of course, during, well, let's do that in the sum up. The Roundup. So, Max, what did you think of this film? Uh, I'm actually really more curious about what you thought, because it sounds like through the whole show that you actually enjoyed this movie. Did you? No. I didn't think so. (laughs) All right, I will admit I would say I was really impressed. You held that together for the whole show for 55 (laughs) minutes. You held together pretending you liked this movie. I cannot tell you how many times I pressed the mute button. (laughs) It was laughing
1: out (laughs) loud. Because I couldn't believe what I was saying yeah. or you were saying. No, all right. Some of my notes include things like "Moonraker is dull. It is dull, and this is less a coherent story than a near random series of shots intended to establish a proposition. <laughs> None of this makes sense. None.
0: Uh, just it just doesn't. The so, science like, is all over the place. The plot science makes sense.
1: Uh, they put the "sigh" in science. <laughs> So the whole... We start off the film... Okay, I'm willing to believe that you could... Potentially hijack a space shuttle, but um, all the fuel for the space shuttle is in those big rocket thingies. It's not; it it can't take off from the plane. Actually, no, I take it back. It actually did. The Enterprise did take off from the plane. Yeah, but I find sense. it hard to believe that they'd gas it
0: up. Before it no, off. you don't. You don't transport that thing full of unbelievably explosive. What is it? Liquid nitrogen or whatever that whatever like, whatever, whatever, whatever whatever. It doesn't matter. Dangerous Just fuel. Who cares? Yeah, that, no, the whole, air, nothing makes sense. Not to mention the fact. England doesn't have a space program. Well, that's where they were borrowing. Just borrow, <laughs> they wouldn't need to just borrow. It's like, hi, can we borrow a shuttle, an entire ground crew, a launch mechanism, some yeah. rockets? They would have to borrow yeah. NASA.
1: Yeah. And and then the I mean, even the plane sequence, it's like where the hell was I, you couldn't even fit Jaws in the bathroom. It's I feel far so far. Sorry. Richard Keel must never have used an airline bathroom ever, because there is no way he could get in it. I think he'd be incredibly uncomfortable on in, in any airline seat, maybe first class, yeah. but I yeah. you know he could fit in a plane. He's too and the tall. more the more I watch this movie it's like this makes no sense this makes no yeah. sense this makes no- why is he in Venice with a super duper hyped up gondola why isn't he just walking around like i yeah. don't get it <laughs> And, and and then uh, the artificial gravity was one of the biggest egregious knocks to science. So, okay, we make the thing spin. Great. Everyone would have been shoved to the outer edges of the space station, not just stuck to the ground. It doesn't there is work
0: something like that. that you spin stuff that you can get artificial gravity. It's just not the way they did it. And also the fact that <laughs> there was a red button that could be hit. <laughs> Don't press. That <laughs> would stop the rotation. All I could think is that's like the... The, the brake cable they used to have on the old trades. You know, I don't want to go hurl, hurling off the tracks because Gus thought he saw a woodchuck. <laughs> it was a big red candy-like button. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and
1: also, why are there just random scantily clad women wandering around the jungle? Why does Bond suddenly change into a cowboy outfit? Yeah, yeah. Um I said that this script defines the words random and coincidence. Um, There are scenes where you're really up close to Bond and Dr. Goodhead, and all I could think of is he's twice her age. This is
0: icky. Um, They have no chemistry. None. And none of the sex that he has with any of these people is what they now call earned. No. There's no sense of it. It's just like, hello, we're in the same room. Get your clothes off. And thankfully, for the most part, we don't have to watch any of it because, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. like watching
1: your dad and his new girlfriend have sex. <laughs> it's just nasty. And, and we're only midway through the Roger Moores. It gets worse from here.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, other stuff, too, like um, there's, if you think about this plot or this little this nefarious scheme, it's like, why is there a space station? All you have to do is launch the shuttles, launch your little globes, and then wait a few minutes and then land the shuttles again. There's no reason for this well, he doesn't say how fast it.
0: the gas would dissipate. I think the idea is they were supposed to supposed to breed up in space and then
1: except that the next day they go to the lab where Bond no, or, oh, the where scientists throat knocked scientists knock over them, and it's gone. So apparently, all oh, you need is an exhaust fan. So <laughs> what happened? Like, did he kill half of Venice? I don't know. Um, this this movie dares you to think about it. It dares you. Oh, yeah, and, if you and,
0: apply any logic, it just falls apart completely. <laughs> whole, I mean, my God, we're going to repopulate with hundred people, maybe. Yeah, like, no, you're not. Any? <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
1: obviously, it Star Wars was big. They wanted Star Wars money, and this was their answer. Yeah. Hey, what if we throw an old guy in space with fake lasers? How about that? Is really, that what you
0: want? It's so painful that they, they do stuff like that, that it's like uh we need space. Um um let's use the close encounters theme as a door code. And uh uh let's have space shuttles, they're a thing, right? Yeah, and you know, and in my notes and
1: in my memory, one of the major memories of this film is that stupid double take pigeon. Oh. <laughs> I hated it in the 70s, and I hate it now. It is so dumb. And Max is totally right. You're waiting for boing? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I, I wanted to try something. I wanted to try and see if I could, like... Are you okay?
0: Did you hurt yourself? (laughs) Seriously, I was pushing the mute button and laughing myself. (laughs) I I, got to say, I got to give you real kudos because, I mean, you could hear occasionally a little tone in your voice that it was a put on, but you kept a straight voice (laughs) through the whole thing. And that's given given your actual feelings toward this. That's really impressive.
1: Well, here's the thing, too. I've seen this film. Thank you. Thank you. I've seen this film many times, and I know it's not good, but I actually hadn't sat and watched it Uh critically for decades. And I'm watching this going, suck suck <laughs> uh suck oh suck
0: yeah this is a big big pile of suck we can agree. i want to
1: i want to thank one of our listeners and past guest hosts Haley king uh who hey, sort Haley. of gave me the idea because she said she actually likes it when we have differing opinions about a movie so i thought i'd invent some <laughs> and thank you max for playing thing. along oh so sure you- he played
0: beautifully. He, he knew. <laughs> yeah. I, I, come on. If I hadn't known, I would have had to stop the broadcast and call nine one one because it's like, oh, God, Mike's had an aneurysm. <laughs> That's not Mike, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Who right. are you? What have you done with my friend?
1: So now that we've been raked over the moon, <laughs> uh, what are we watching next week?
0: Next week, we're going back to one of the good bonds. It is also a very bondish bond, and it's, very bondless, but it's, it is one of the more iconic ones, and it is Goldfinger. Goldfinger! Oh, my finger! <laughs> this is one that spawned uh, not one, but two, possibly even more. i we'll to see direct character parodies in the Austin Powers movie. I know not. I that. love <laughs> <more>. <laughs> It's so weird. Yeah, I'm from <laughs> Holland. Isn't that weird? Anyway, Goldfinger, we... Aston Martin's Gold Painted Women, the whole nine yards. We will be, talk- we'll be talking about that next time. Awesome. Next week, Gold
1: Finger.
0: This has been a co production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.